Be advised that the content of this podcast is for mature audiences due to subject matter. Welcome to the Romantic Truth Podcast. You may also visit us at romantictruth.org or on Facebook at Romantic Truth in the search. Now, without further ado, introducing Jorzen, the host of Romantic Truth from our studio in Las Vegas. Ladies, let me tell you something. A lot of you think it's cute to be hypocritical when you talk to men. What do I mean? You have an argument, and then you say, you can leave. And in that, you don't really mean he can leave, but you're hoping he stays, but you want to stand your ground and want to act like that you have asserted yourself and you're protecting your territory. Fellas, take women at their word. If she tells you to leave, leave. Here's the thing. <clears throat> the minute you don't, she feels as though she's empowered and controlled. Ladies, I tell you the same thing. Somebody tells you, get the fuck out, leave, go. Don't contact them move on now people say oh that's easier said than done now here's the thing this is how you eradicate the bullshit see when I go into a relationship with a lady it's string little we're going to have fun I'll joke and everything else but here's the thing when I see that you're trying to play games to see how far you can push me or take me I'm not running down that track field I will call it as I see it. Hey, you know what? Let's shut it down now. Let's go our separate ways. I'm not going to sit there and entertain you because I'm not an entertainer. That's not my job. I'm looking for a relationship. I'm not looking to go and wow you or make you laugh and be this comedian or whatever. Now, in the relationship, Yes, you'll get those aspects of my personality. But if you're just thinking that it's going to stop there and you're going to put me in the six or five guy category, no, that train has already left. I'll leave that for somebody else to do. And guys, this is what you have to do. Because, see, this contributes to the narrative that society gives women a, a pass. Because they could say, well, you know what? I don't care. We need to break up. I don't care. Okay. You don't care? Well, it doesn't do any good for me to be in this relationship by myself. Goodbye. Plain and simple. Call it as it is and stick by what you say. You will find that they will not play those games as often. Because if they're into you, they don't want to lose you. And I will tell you, many a woman have lost a good man playing that game. Your girlfriends tell you. Ladies, let me tell you something else. Do not, and I repeat, do not get to a point of saying, well, 
only you need to know this, and you tell this man something, and then you go out and tell your girlfriends, and before you know it, he gets that message through them that you had given to them. At that point, you remember that thing I talked about trust with men. That's another factor that goes against you. He realizes he can't trust you. See, a man needs to trust a woman so he could be vulnerable, because he's not going to be vulnerable around any other people. He's not going to be vulnerable around a woman that he doesn't know and doesn't trust. He's not going to be vulnerable around another dude. He's not going to be vulnerable even with a doctor. Doctor can say, "Man, you know,、uh, you got so and so. I want a second opinion." He's doing that because that's his form of defiance. I don't give a shit about all the education you have and all the knowledge you have that I don't. I don't trust you because I don't like the results you gave me. And that's what it comes down to, ladies. You can identify with this because many of you do the same thing. When I would write things on Facebook or post things about statistics on certain demographics, certain groups. Oh boy, I get the hate mail. Why are you putting that out there? Because it's public information and everybody knows it. And if a person of a certain group knows this, guess what they could do? Take that information and try to improve the numbers to make them better, so you're not embarrassed by them. Plain and simple. I'm telling you, ladies, watch what you share with your girlfriends. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you do that, and you have one of those girlfriends who takes your man over the side and says, "Something I need to tell you." Now, she told me this, and I don't know whether it's true or not, but I can tell you, you can tell me something, and I promise you, it'll never get back out. Now here's the thing: the guy that does that, he might tell her something that's totally insignificant, something that's very minute, and he sees she doesn't tell anyone else, and he doesn't go back to that girl, to his lady. Guess what has happened? Your girlfriend, now ladies, has now become his closest confidant, where he can trust her over you. And I will tell you, I have been in relationships like this, where my girl had a friend, and I trusted her friend over her. And the cool thing about it, my girl's friend never tried to make a move on me. But after we broke up, I tore that ass up. But before then, no, we were. Nice, and I learned. And then this friend told me. She said, "You know, one thing I need to tell you. My girl told me this that you told her, and I don't feel as though I should know this. But now that I know this, I'm telling you, you got a leak. Now you can tell me something. That I promise I won't tell anyone else." What did I tell her? We were still dating in the beginning stages at the time with my girl, and I told her what my favorite color was. 
And she said, okay. My girl never once asked me what my favorite color was. None of that. Didn't care. But she made sure that I knew hers was pink, right? So, her birthday came. Got her a nice gift. It was pink. She loved it. Accolades, everything else. My birthday came. You know what I got? I got a text message at 11.30 p.m. that evening. We were supposed to have gone out to dinner and celebrate. She said she was sick and couldn't make it. Friend called me the next day. And she said, oh, no, 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 no. She went out with some other dude. Hmm. Okay, thanks for that info. But here's the interesting thing. What she didn't do, she didn't try to intervene. She didn't try to tell her girl, you know, you make a mistake or something like that. No. And once I found out, she was like, yeah, well, we're going to have to go and celebrate your birthday this coming weekend because I was kind of uh, just not feeling so well. And I said, yeah, I can understand. After a night of partying, I sure understand. And then at first she said, yeah, you're right. And she said, what you mean? I said, yeah, I said, I know about the dude. I said, don't even go there. How do you know? Oh, I don't know, but I'm just guessing. And once I said I was just guessing, deception with deception, guess what she tried to do? Plead her case. And I just sat back and listened, and met beer, having a good time just listening. What she had no idea of was that that was the last relationship that I was going to have with her. That was the last conversation I was going to have with her. And I told her, I said, you know, I think that we need to go our separate ways. Well, why is that? What, what, what's, what's going on? Why, why is that? And I think we'll go our separate ways. Following day, her friend called me and said, you know, she's really upset. She says she's not upset that you guys broke up. She's upset that you're not still coming after her. I said, it's done. And I asked her, I said, well, you know, I didn't celebrate my birthday. She said, well, you know, I'll celebrate it with you. And she did. And we had some fun. And the main thing was, that whole time, it was just like she opened up a book and told me everything about our relationship that my girl had told her. Details. I mean, when I say details, I'm talking about the kind of rubbers I used. How I kissed her. How I held her. The food we ate at the restaurants. It was as if this woman had gone on the dates with us. Now, the interesting thing, she didn't find out that I was going out with her girlfriend until about four or five months later. And she called me up, I can't believe you. You backstabbed me. I said, no. And I can't trust her. I said, apparently you did long enough and well enough until she got tired of that shit. But ladies, I'm telling you, sometimes she's your own worst enemy. And you have to watch that. Fellas, when a woman tells you, I love you, 
if she says it quickly as like a matter of fact thing <laughs> she's telling you that shit to placate you now when that woman tells you she loves you it comes after something has been done that she is really satisfied for and usually it's something where she feels as though now it's time for me to go and lay down the gauntlet and put the pressure on him to make that commitment see someone will say oh yeah I love you too I love you but let her caress your face and look in your eyes and tell you I love you and then give you that long kiss and then pulls you closer to her and she's ready for you to be with her yeah that's a different type of appeal the thing you have to worry about when she's getting getting to that point is not get her pregnant make sure you wear a condom because at that point she's ready now I will tell you something else when she's really down for you and she's telling you she loves you and all this and she locked those ankles around your waist and interlock her fingers around your neck and she's kissing you and she's whispering in your ear not to pull out even when you have a condom on yep she's ready because at that point she wants all of it she wants to feel everything that's where you have to be careful And when she removes her hands from around your neck, around the back of your neck, you want to see where they're going. Because if she's trying to adjust you inside of her, and she happens to just start massaging you and start sliding it, where she's gripping it, and what she's doing is she's actually milking you for everything you got inside, and she's sliding that condom off, she's trying to make sure that she gets every drop in her cervix. That's what you have to watch. So many guys have been fathers from that particular technique. It's like she's squeezing the tube of toothpaste and you're happy because it's hard and she's got those hands on it. But in essence, she's making sure that every drop that possibly can go inside of her does. Especially if she's ovulating. See, the thing you have to watch is when that time of the month comes with her, your sperm can sit inside of her cervix for up to, I think, or tubes rather, up to five days. And she may want to make sure that she's got your DNA inside of her when that egg can be fertilized. gotta watch it fellas because a lot of you become fathers when you don't want to she's horny she goes on tinder you get with her she says oh no I like it raw I like it raw I like it raw you go in there and goosh 
And then nine months later, you hear wah, 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 wah. You're like, oh shit. This is her, the birth certificate that they've redesigned here. Daddy. And throughout that nine month period, you guys are going back and forth trying to figure out your relationship. She's upset because she's never been pregnant before and she's going through all these changes and she's pissed off at you one minute wanting ice cream and pickles the next. They're kicking your ass out. You guys break up. You get back together. And then the baby's here and you really haven't had a chance to know each other. Tell me, fellas, that's a hell of a trip that you'd have to take. So many of my friends took that trip. Ticket already paid for. Johnson with this year, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas. It's the 11th of August. This month is going fast, folks. You know, one thing that is interesting, I peruse many of the sites and look at many of the ads and many of these um, theories because I'm always trying to learn something. See, here's the thing that many people feel it too. When you get into a relationship, you still need to grow. And a lot of you will think that you're mature when you begin a relationship. Oh, you know everything. You got the cap on everything. See, here's the thing with me. I will forever be a student of life. And what this does, this enhances my flexibility to grow. I've seen people that get stuck in their ways and they go to a default setting in their lives and they stay there. And they wonder why they're isolated, why people are not dating them, why people don't have that interest in them. You have to be dynamic. But now, here's the thing. You have to also assess your own life and see what you've gone through and what would best fit in that category for you to really interact with that individual that you want to have as your partner. It's very difficult to do. And a lot of times we try to make it fit when it doesn't. And many of you run into a lot of difficulty when that occurs. Now, you have plenty of people out there selling books, giving seminars, retreats, and all these other things. Folks, it begins with your own thinking and common sense. But see what happens if we get in this emotional euphoria. And what we do then is let our guards down, drop our standards. We're happy. It could be that you haven't been with someone in a very long time. It could be a situation where you found that person that you wanted in your life and you don't care about safeguards or anything. You're just going to go for that person and that's it. And many times, you 
do this without any kind of structure, any kind of planning. And you have to have that. It helps a lot. Some people land on their feet and the thing works out well where they have these relationships and they go on for 20, 40 years. Others of you don't even get off the launch pad. It varies. Now, one thing that I've noticed, you have a lot of younger people, 21, 22, going on social media giving dating advice. And it's comical. Because a lot of them, you could tell they have not really had the experience and haven't been out there. So they don't know many of the things. I heard a young lady the other evening tell women that if they wanted to ever get a man, the main key was to do two things. Make sure you got him in your place and make sure you got pregnant by him. And she actually thought that this would be the basis to begin a relationship. What this shows you folks is that the dysfunction that many people experience in their relationship, they're now trying to perpetuate it in order to make a buck off of it. The dysfunction that they experienced in their childhood has now morphed into something they're trying to do to make a dollar. And so, I asked her a couple of fundamental questions. I said, okay, what if the young man that you're with is irresponsible and doesn't want to hold his end of the bargain? I bet they got you pregnant. The first thing, the very first thing she said, take him to court, put him on child support, and if he doesn't pay, send him to jail. This is your future, people. These are the captains of the ship that's going to guide you into the future of your life. This is it. Not much to look forward to, is it? I think not. Make sure you watch who you're listening to. Many of you know, and I put this out there throughout this podcast. It's not about indoctrination. It's not about trying to influence you. This is no conspiracy theory. This is none of that something I pulled out my ass or something like that. These are 30 years of experience that I had gone through dating throughout the years. Now, one question I get asked to comment a lot of times on. People want to know, why didn't you get married in the 80s and 90s? Well, I got married in the 1980s and I divorced. I was married for three years. Now, here's the thing. After the divorce, I started dating and I made a promise to myself that I would never go into a situation unprepared. What I started to find, especially in the 90s, were 
A lot of women who wanted the man's fur, but didn't want the man. Because the big thing during that period was the executive independent woman that could climb the ladder and all she needed was the baby. More or less like rite of passage. Well, I was looking at modern times now. Many of those people are in their 30s. Many of those people have multiple children. I'm talking about the offspring of those parents back then. Many of those women are unwed. Some have never been married. And what was interesting, I hosted a group once, and on the panel, there was only one woman that was married out of 45 women on that panel between the ages of 25 and 43. They had living boyfriends. One lady had been in a relationship for 15 years with the same guy and they never married, just lived together. And what this showed me was, and when I asked them a question, I said, well, what do you think about maybe getting married? And boy, they shot that idea down. I mean, I had bullets flying everywhere when I asked that question. It was as if I offended them. But see, here's what happens, ladies. Let me just be square with you. A lot of you go through a lot of bad relationships. And what it does, it colors your judgment on the positive aspects of a relationship. And what happens, you start to be anti-relationship. And then you wind up with, I'll just go with the flow. And many of you ladies have gone with the flow and wind up with three, four, five kids. Gone with the flow and no commitment, no man. See, the one thing people would like to do is blame. And we look in this country, in many areas we have this gender war going on, and let's face it. We got the Manosphere out there. If you go on YouTube and type in Manosphere, you'll see all these different male-dominated, pro-male type of red pill channels. Because the red pill is in. Now, the interesting thing, before that concept even really became popular, I remember it way back in the day, Redfield guys were really those guys who could not adjust to the fact that women were coming into the workplace, making more money than they were, becoming more upwardly mobile and independent. These were usually the traditionalists. That's where it started from. That was before you got the angry crowd that came in later. This included the guys who could not get a woman. This included the guys who didn't know how to approach or appeal to women. And a lot of these guys came in the initial stages from religious backgrounds. Some of them were nerds. They were the guys who were teased in high school and college. And then later on, some of them retain their value by becoming 
software professionals, people very, very well-versed in the technology sector, and what happened, that cheerleader in high school that would never talk to him, went on and chased the jock, got pregnant by him, they got married, relationship didn't work out, now she's divorced with two or three kids, and she's coming back to the nerd point of view. And some women, unfortunately, were under the impression that he liked me in high school. I'm sure he'll like me now. And these guys are like, no, I can get hotter chicks now. Being this nerd, he turned me down. I'm going forward. I saw a lot of this in the IT field. There were guys that most women, if they would see them, would not think about dating if they didn't know how much these guys mean. And once they found that out, it was like, whoa. That sounds like she could stomach him being a nerd or goofball and not looking to be the most handsome guy for his money. Now, see, there's something else you need to face about this, too. As you get older in our society, you know you're socially devalued to a certain degree. It's not uncommon for a younger woman to tell a older guy, hey, you're too old for me. You remind me of my dad. That kind of thing. Guys do it as well. Old lady goes somewhere and sit down. You should be at a church meeting or something. And they do this because in a way they are trying to avoid what you've already experienced. Getting older. The worst thing you can have is a young fool out there giving advice. Take it from me. I've seen it. Even though I had all of this experience going through the dating cycle and dating scenes throughout the year, I wrote down a lot of stuff. I was going to write a dating book. And then I said, wait a minute. Yeah, I understand the concept. I understand human behavior to a certain degree. But let me understand the causation. Let me understand how people cope with it. Let me give you a get a full macro view of this process instead of these snippets and that's what a lot of these people come in with the little vignettes and snippets of the whole thing and what I found more so than anything more often than not was that these individuals would bring forward things from their childhood things from those formative years into their adult life and that's what made them act and behave the way they do. Now, one thing that I will tell you, age does not equate to wisdom. Age does not equate to knowledge. But the thing you have to come to grips with is there's some people out there that have neither. And yet, you're coming out telling you what you should do, what you must do, and all this other stuff. Living is not that complicated, people. I 
gave you the four questions, the categories of those four that you can ask in any kind of way you prefer to, the five things that you protect, your freedom, first and foremost, your wealth, your mobility, those are very important. decision-making skills, very important, and your reputation. Those are the five things you want to protect. Because after all, that doesn't necessarily constitute who you are. But what this does, it helps you retain your value. Doesn't matter if you're on SSI or if you're a billionaire. Your wealth is your wealth. It's up to you to manage to the best of your ability to sustain yourself. I get a lot of skepticism in this business, a lot of criticism. I get a lot of hate mail from other dating gurus, self-proclaimed date coaches, and relationship experts, and all this stuff. And what they try to do is to get credentials. All of my commentary and everything is based on the data that's provided, on the experiences that I've had, observed, witnessed, and participated in. And I'm the one to tell you, I don't have a degree in psychology. I have an MBA in international business. But this is something that I've had a passion for since I was a child. And I've worked with it throughout the years until this very day. So I'm not going to be one that sits here and bullshit you and talk about I'm a sex therapist or I'm a relationship coach and all this. Like I hear some of these people on TikTok doing half a million have a high school diploma. But they're trying to come out and have an identity. Another thing, folks, quit using social media as a therapy session. Quit doing that. Go to a professional. You know, the majority of people who contact me, the last place they would want their business is on social media. That's the reason why they go through the old path of using the email. because they don't want everybody to know. I don't know these people. They write me. They listen to the show. They write in. Tell me what their issue is. And I will give them the perspective of what I would do. And then we go to the options. And they will see what their options are. It's up to them to make the decision. If they need counseling, always recommend go to a professional for whatever counseling you need in that specified area. So, if you need a marriage counselor, sex counselor, whomever, don't go to YouTube looking for one. You want somebody that you can talk to in confidence. Because, see, there are a lot of people out there they're trying to give their opinion as advice. And 
they're trying to have these therapy sessions where they charge people and all of that. How the hell are you going to charge somebody who's not even credentialed or licensed professional? But what are they trying to charge you for? Their time. This is why I try to keep you from going over that edge. There are many psychologists and psychiatrists that listen to the show, <clears throat> and they write in. And many of them ask me, "Well,、oh, could you recommend my practice?" I can't do that. And the reason why I don't want to do that, for the most part, is the show wasn't designed for that. Now, if you happen to get business in your area, I'd be more than glad to. Push it your way, or if you give, no, pretty good tidbits. I'll go and take your TikTok and put the audio up and go and run with it. But for the most part, this show doesn't endorse or condone. That's just the way it goes. Now, it's about you. It's about thinking. Thinking is great. Because it comes down to you taking an introspective look. Because we're good as far as pointing our finger and judging others, but we're horrible at pointing that finger back at ourselves and looking at what was wrong with us. We don't like doing that. We love to deflect. Because when we deflect, we feel better about ourselves. Because we want to find that person that's worse off than we are. Why do you think a lot of these people even listen to the show? They're waiting, they're waiting to hear the next horrific event in someone else's life, or the next messed up situation, or the next decision that a person makes. Now, mind you, there's nothing wrong with that, but from the standpoint, let me clarify this: of you learning. Educating yourself on things that are out there. However, when you get to a point of feeling comfortable based on someone else's misery and profiteering off of it, that's where the problem is. Now, eventually, I'll probably have sponsors and those kind of things on down the road when I feel comfortable to have them. And trust me, they will be vetted. So it won't be a situation where I'll be exploiting anyone. In fact, in many ways, I'm thinking about doing away with this email altogether, and probably coming up with another way of doing things where I can have you leave messages on the shelf of questions, and then you respond. I've been looking at、um, putting out the question of the day. Thinking about doing that, we'll try it. Probably not get any respondents because a lot of people are afraid to put their voices out there. The one thing I did not want the show to do was to delineate into what I see on YouTube on a regular basis.、And、this is one of the reasons why I refuse to go on YouTube. 
I had some videos up there in the initial stages years ago, back in 2012-2010. And I was giving it a shot, and I said, you know what, I don't like this. Didn't feel comfortable. It was difficult getting things sorted out. But the podcast is much better. And besides, as you listen, you can go about your daily task without having to watch a video screen. Hear that? Now, for those of you who don't know, on Spotify, but not on Apple, but on Spotify, you're on uh, Overcast, Castbox, uh, Pocket Cast. So we're on a lot of different platforms. Video Public. And thank all of those affiliates for really helping us out because they're doing a good job with uh, distributing the show. Now, I get this other question asked. Your title may start out one way and you may end up somewhere else, but you tie things together. Why is that? Because what I try to do is make analogies where you can kind of see the parallel. This is not rocket science, folks. These are relationships that we're building that we build every day. These are things you walk around every day thinking about but you never openly say. And they need to be discussed. Many of you write in talking about, oh, I thought I was the only person that thought that, you know, I thought I was the only person that had that problem. I can't tell you how many gentlemen have written in about grown women sleeping with each other. I'm not talking about sexually, but in the bed with each other. And the husband, the boyfriend thinks something's wrong with that. Or how many times have women have written in about their poor friends going and getting their nails done and pedicure and all kind of things, but would never give her a dollar for her. Our situation where people are dealing with roommates. They have a partner who has a roommate of the opposite sex, and they're running into difficulty dealing with that, where they're wondering whether or not they can trust their partner with that person because they've just come into that relationship. It's difficult. And you have to face it. And geographically, where you are in the world, will dictate your living arrangement based on the economy in that community. I'll give you an example. In Los Angeles, California, in Nevada, in Phoenix, it's not uncommon for the cost of living to drive people to live with each other. We are a person in Mississippi, Louisiana, who can flat out own a house while these people are renting homes and apartments out west. Cost of living is higher. 
what are you paying for? You're paying for not being around tornadoes, not having to deal with floods as frequently. But you have offsets such as earthquakes and wildfires, right? And it comes down to that. But in every community, you're going to have one where people will try to separate themselves, and you're going to have that upper class and lower class and lower class. And we should be thankful for this in the United States. In many other countries I travel through, you just have rich and poor, job no job. And then you have a safety net of everything that a lot of people complain about. Complain about welfare, social security, and all this other stuff here in the United States. There are other countries that don't even have it. And basically, when the people get upset because they have nothing to eat, so the war breaks out, and there are problems. That's the reason why in many countries there are a lot of social issues that haven't been resolved because of many of the things we have here in the United States that we bitch about. They don't have. So this vaccine is a prime example. You can get the shot for free here. Go to certain countries in Africa, like Zambia, Kenya, where you have to pay. And in other countries, the government will dictate who gets the shots and who don't. And just think about it: if you have a population. That you really can't control in that country. What would you do? Give the shots to the people who support you, and let the other people get sick and die. Sounds tough, but that's the way it is. You really look at it. Most of the people who are alone, the same ones out there, and that kind of thing, they're basing it on a lot of pettiness. Because as you get older, you want a person more customized to your liking. But you're younger, a lot more flexible. But as you get older, you get set in your ways to a certain point. That causes problems for both of you and the person you're trying to talk to. We'll talk more in a second. Discuss when this person is not into you. All right, let's look at a few things. If you contact someone on a dating site, they contact you back, and you respond. Day pass, two day passes, three day passes, four day pass, five days passed. No response. At that point, don't pursue it. See what happens usually. 
They want to acknowledge that you acknowledge them, and that's the end of it. They've already lost interest. You're just contacting you out of courtesy. That's all that is. They don't want to carry on a conversation, and usually, they will try to end it as quickly as possible. And the reason why they want to do this is they don't see any value in any future in you, whether you're a man or a woman. Not from their perspective. This is where you don't wear your emotions on your sleeve. I have seen this happen, and it's happened to me over and over again. They will do this. They're ghosts because they're going and looking for somebody else. A lot of these women will get a lot of inquiries from men. I have a friend of mine that's on TikTok who basically did something I really was against, but I told her I said if it was me personally, I don't think I'd go out with an appeal like that. But she went out to say how lonely she was and showed the whole panoramic view of her house. Which I told her I would not have done, and showed the car she drives, and told them I make about a hundred thousand dollars a year and I'm lonely. And she thought that naturally she was going to get guys who could appreciate that who made some kind of money in that same realm. No, she got over fifteen hundred comments. God knows how many in her inbox, in her messages. Every man that contacted her was concerned about moving in, how they could love them, how they could help them with the with what she had. And she writes me back and tells me, I can't believe all these men are actually out here trying to use me. And I told her, "You've done some things wrong. The first thing you did wrong was you've exposed your residence, especially inside of it. Someone who has more nefarious、uh, intentions, they're going to look at that and say, 'Okay, I know the layout of her house. The only thing I need to know is where she lives.' Not a good thing. Second thing." Now you've told these people how much money you made, told them your first and last name, and of course you told them about your SUV and everything else. I said you really have to think about these things because, and the problem was, she had been in a marriage for almost 20 years, and they divorced, and now she's lonely, and she's thinking it's a thing where you could use that platform in order to meet people. Honest, righteous people that will do the right thing by her. She's very naive, and now she's realizing the consequences for doing that. And she's frustrated. She's spent a lot of money on these dating sites. She's got hundreds of men in her inbox. Many of them coming in with the same punchline about. Hey, beautiful! I can do this for you. I can do that for you. You know, 
it's almost pointless in some ways to even compliment a woman now because think about it, a lot of them don't accept a compliment. And let me tell you something, fellas. One thing younger women like to do, I compliment them and they say, why are you lying? You know, most guys will go and try to prove themselves like they're not lying. The first thing I tell her, I said, okay, so you classify compliments as a lie. Let me take that compliment back. Have a nice day. That tug of war game that women used to play to get attention, ladies, that shit has played out. We're not looking for that. That may have been cute when you were a teenager or in high school. As a grown woman, mm -mm, that's childish. We don't look at that in a complimentary fashion. Now, there was a young lady that wrote me recently. She and her husband divorced, and I've had questions like this before. They decided not to sell their property. The kids still live with them, just like they were when they were married. They pretty much separated the house. Mom has her room, Dad has his room. Kids have their room. They had to double up in their room. Now, the interesting thing is this. The boys and the daughters are put in the same room. And they're like 10 and above. I think the oldest is 14 and the rest of them, the youngest I think is 10. Mom and dad can bring their boyfriend or girlfriend in the house and go to their room, eat in the central area of the kitchen, of course, go and watch TV in the living room, and the kids are welcome to join. The interesting thing was, it was the mother that wrote me, the lady. The problem is that the kids are having a problem accepting and adjusting to seeing their parents with other people in the home. Well, dad got caught slipping in another woman who was not his girlfriend, who was not quote-unquote approved by the wife, and one of the daughters told on him. And so, the child and dad are not really speaking to each other now. She's one of these people that do, does not want to go into therapy. Father, same way. The husband, ex-husband, same way. Now, she actually expects a man to accept her situation as he does a woman to accept his situation for dating. Now, I've compiled these problems 
she's having a problem with her boyfriend. Her boyfriend wants her to leave that environment and move in with him. And she's telling him, no way, I'll stay with my family. Now, she's wondering, why would it be so difficult to find someone else? And she was explaining how she had all this laid out. And like I say, folks, and like I told her, your situation is a problem. The person is part of the problem. The situation completes the problem. And no matter who you meet, there is some situation associated with them. The magnitude of that situation is what you have to look at. There was a lady, she's 76 years old, who wrote this. She's fallen in love with a 28-year-old man. And her family is up in arms about it. Her sons and grandsons are there and got to show up at the house. They're going to beat them up. So, she's at a point in her life where her husband has passed away. And she feels as though, okay, I've lived with them all those years. I only have a few years left, and I want to live with me. And she's conveyed that to her children and grandchildren. But they see her more of a benefit to them, more of an asset to them. And therefore, they look at it from the standpoint that Grandma needs to be taken care of. We need to make the decisions for her. And we're going to speak on her behalf. And sons and daughters have been trying to hook her up with older men. She's not interested. She's in love with this 28-year-old young man. She met him in a physical therapy facility. They get along very well. And she said that it's very bad that she has to sneak around in her 70s to be happy. She would have to lie and say she's going to play bingo or something of that sort just to meet this man. And he fell out the red carpet. One time she spent the night with him and her kids were upset. And you would think, oh, they were concerned about grandmother. They were upset because she wasn't available to babysit the grandkids. And she's tired of being looked upon as this person that is supposed to be at the family's disposal all the time. This is the reason why, ladies, I will always tell you, at some point, you need to retire. You never resign from being a parent. That doesn't ever go away. But you need to retire from the duties and responsibilities and have things where they have to respect your time, they have to respect your space, they have to respect your decisions. 
these are things that they should do for you. You've done your job right now. You've done your job taking care of your kids. Grandkids should be an option for you, not a mandatory requirement. And I know you love your grandkids, but they, your kids, should not think that you're obligated to take care of the grandkids because you love them, and then they exploit that opportunity. And while they're going living their lives, you're sitting there withering away. It was real touching when this lady wrote this because she was talking about how this young man made her feel. She felt alive again. He's the one that's helping her with the day-to-day, calling her up, making sure she's taking her medication, taking her to dinner. Not asking for anything in return. She offered to include him in her will. He declined because he really loved this woman, and she loved him. But the family is the problem, and as she communicated. They're even fighting over who's going to get what when she dies. Now she wrote me, asking, "What should she do?" Because she's never been in a position like this before. When her husband was alive, the kids were not as straightforward as they are now. They have to ask permission to drop off the grandkids when they were young. But now that he's gone, they respected him more than they did her. But she's conveying. So she feels now, at her age, she doesn't have her own life anymore. And what she's fearful of is. Being old and then dying alone, even though she has a family around her, she's still a woman. She still has her needs, and that's what they fail to realize. And as children, you have to realize that no matter what you grow, whether in your teens, your teens, you have to realize. Your parents are human. They have a life. They have an identity. They want to enjoy this life too. And she wants control of her life. And this is one thing I tell you, folks: the hardest thing to do on this earth, as long as you're breathing air, is having full control of your life. Because there's so many people trying to influence. Trying to manipulate and trying to put you in a position where they can have the power over you, and that's the most difficult thing. 
a lot of times we make choices based on perceptions, based on not so much information, but based on gut feeling. And sometimes the gut feeling is wrong. Instinct. And we think we're making the best decision for us. I remember one lady that was going to a bad, bad relationship. This guy had a reputation for beating women. He had been locked up before for it. He's had all kind of uh, fines, management classes he had to take, and anger management, and so forth. And she chose to date, and we all, including her female friends, all of us. Told her, hey, if he does this or does that, let us know. Oh, he's not going to do that. She thought she was special, and he didn't do anything for the first two years of the relationship. Things went smoothly, and then one day he snapped. Back to his old habits, got locked up this time. Ten years. What was her argument? I thought I could change it. I thought I could fix it. I thought he was already fixed. I just had to maintain it. Going in with that sense of invincibility in a relationship is the most foolish thing you could ever do, especially. A person can see your flaws going in. You could be as narcissistic as you care to be, and ignore those flaws. That manipulator is going to take advantage of that naive approach that you're taking.、And、that's what you have to really think about and check yourself on. It's best to know who you are first before you try to know someone else. A lot of times, people don't like doing that because they think they have all the answers. Especially if you've been alone for a long time, you start making up your own value system. You start making up all these different criteria, and you expect someone to go out there on the dating scene to meet. That wall of criteria that you have set up for yourself, and then when you don't find someone who's willing to jump through the hoops, there are no good men out there. There are no good women out there. No, no one's going to go through that bullshit maze you created for yourself for you because you're not that valuable to them. That's what it comes down to. You're only special to you. A total stranger is indifferent to you. And you have to learn more about you in order to associate a value with you. More in a moment.
Hi everyone, Josh here, Little Lemon Truth, Las Vegas. Let's talk about some real things here that come up in relationships that are commonly ignored. Fellas, let's talk about the ladies for a minute. There are several things that women will do that they usually regret. I'll give an example. They dump you for a better guy. Or the perception of a better guy. They dump you for this other guy and then they make the comparison and contrast. He was this, you were that. He's got this, you don't have that. They go back and forth with it, right? Well, here's the thing you gotta keep in mind. These are the very same people who have thrown you away, basically. But now, you get your new girl. You're coupled up. Her relationship may be on the rocks. She may find out that you and this new lady are getting along very well. You guys become engaged. Her relationship is still static with this new guy. You've already got wedding plans and you have not included her in the wedding party. Now, it's not uncommon for a woman who knows she's messed up by choosing the wrong guy to then have one of her girlfriends to try to get invited to the party or one of your mutual friends that can give her feedback on the events, including taking pictures and so forth. Some will get so bold and brazen as to confront you about not inviting them to the wedding. Now, at this point, they're realizing that they made a decision too soon about you in the quest for someone else. And what they're realizing at that point is what they needed from you, they threw away in comparison to what they wanted for themselves. This is, you know that fork in the road I tell you about need and want? This is what happens. Now, if you get the correlation of two, guess what you have? Two lanes on the same road going in the same direction. If you don't, you have that fork in the road where want goes east, need goes west. All right, you go on, you get engaged, then you get married. She's still in a static relationship. Then what happens, she starts to change her motivations in that relationship. She's putting pressure on the dude to keep up with the Joneses, to be like, you guys. He may not be at that place, he may not be ready, he may not even be serious. He probably told her that just to keep her placated. You and your woman have a child. She's pissed off now because all of this stuff that she wanted but she just didn't want it with you initially. Now she's seeing you not only having it, enjoying it, 
and she's seeing the way you treat this other woman and she's envious this happens more often than you think fellas now some women will try to intervene want to meet you alone to see if you guys can have something on the side guys I will tell you avoid that slippery slope as much as possible you don't want to deal with on that level if your ex comes back into your life at this time fellas you and your wife or you and your girlfriend treat her together as a friend in other words she can never have a one on one with either one of you they do it as a couple that's what you do and by doing it as a couple what you do then you keep her at bay she'll get the message go on you guys get home your lifestyle starts to pick up and she realizes that she messed up and what did this come out for her it came out of poor judgment and this is how women lose good men over and over and over again because of that fork in the road they can't decipher between need and want and understand that there should be a correlation between the two for them to be satisfied for them to get those needs met just saying something for you to think about more in a minute Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.